G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I looked across the river and I saw a great big rock peninsula and there was a man in white robes standing on the rock. So then I realised that I was actually part of the river. I was in the river as well. I realised that if I didn't get to the river of light, I was gone. So I tried to get over there and I tried to get people's attention and saying, guys, we're going the wrong way. We See that guy in the white on the rock? we got to go to him. He's the guy that's going to get us out. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, the Lord works in beautiful, mysterious and amazing ways. And today's story pretty much encapsulates all of these. In the early 1980s, Gareel Ali had a vision of Jesus dressed in a white robe. The only thing was, having been raised a Muslim, he didn't know who Jesus was. We'll find out the incredible way God draws Gareel to himself as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Gurriel, welcome to the program. Eric, lovely to be with you. Glad to have you with us. Let's go all the way back to your childhood growing up in London. Yeah, well, uh, mum and dad are from Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Cyprus has got Greeks and Turks on there. The Greeks are Orthodox Christians and the Turks are Muslim. So we were Turks. So I, I grew up a, a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very nominal way, though, you know. So, so mum and dad moved to from Cyprus to London. That's where I was born. So it was a very nominal way. And, uh, you know, we, like, so what did nominal look like? Well, nom- it doesn't look like Ramadan and it doesn't look like, you know, uh, praying five times a day. It doesn't, okay. It doesn't yeah. like I mean, we know nominal Christian. Exactly. You just go to church Christmas exactly, and Easter. You know, exactly. So it was very much like that. However, uh, just because they're nominal doesn't mean that – you know, they're not offended when mm. somebody leaves the faith, as I did in my 20s. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll get, get to a that. Bit. Okay. You know, so it's because it's an, it's an affront to the faith. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's interesting that even though, as you mentioned, it's nominal. Yeah. But it's supposed to be there. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting thing. There are a lot of parallels you can, you can draw for that. But um, so, you know, just the family was troubled. You know, it was, it was a broken family. And anyway, in 67, 1967, I was seven years old and uh, our family immigrated to Australia and we landed in Melbourne and I grew up in Australia and mum and dad fought a lot. It wasn't long before dad headed back to London and they split and divorced. So, which leaves a young, young boy at the time, you know, struggling for answers, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And uh, mum did her best, you know, with four kids, little English. Uh, oh, okay. Her English was a challenge? Uh, a challenge. Okay. Uh, well, not impossible, you know. She'd only been six years in, in London, so her English was only six years oh, old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so it, was a, it was a challenge for her. But, you know, single parents, I think they're champions, you know, don't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, 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 it's an amazing challenge that they have to deal with. Oh, exactly. And with four kids, two of them real brats. <laughs> that was me and my twin. I was going to say, were you including me and my twin? In that? Yeah, me and my twin. <laughs> we were the youngest ones, right? Oh, you have a twin? Yeah, I have a twin. 
and we, we I mean, we were, we were desperate, desperately ratty. <laughs> you know, we were shocky. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> we used to do some wild things, you know, like I remember one time my brother and I, we, <laughs> this was while dad was still at home. He, he hadn't left yet. And, uh, this, this is, by the way, this is in my new book. Hey, you can call me an author now. Oh, is that right? So I was going to say what's new and exciting in your life, but we, we'll, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, I'm an author now and I've written about this. This story is in, in, in the book and we, uh, we do some wild things. Like we used to play Hogan's Heroes under the bungalow and we dug a tunnel under the bungalow at the back really? of the bungalow. Really? You really dug a we tunnel? Did. We just did. Like yeah, in the yeah. TV and we show? used to, yeah. And we used to talk to the French resistance and, <laughs> <laughs> and everything. And dad, dad came out of the back door one day and caught us. And he was furious because the thing could have collapsed on us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we were just ten, nine-year-old kids, you know. We didn't know. We were just having fun. Anyway, uh, we got a whooping. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he chased us everywhere. So there you are. Anyway, Dad left, and I grew up a rebel. I, I basically got into, you know, the surf lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Stopped listening to Mum and helping Mum, which was very selfish, really, when you think mm-hmm. about it. Because she needed all the help she could get, and uh, but you know we were broken, you know we were all broken by the separation. So uh, anyway, th- there was one point where I really cried out to God. But uh, see, as Muslims, see this is what what I want to explain is as Muslims, see Muslims are not atheists. They're, 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 this is a this is a place we have to come. No, no, no. We, we have to understand that you know these the Muslims are children of Ishmael, who mm-hmm. is a son of Abraham, and so. You know, the worship. In the book of Genesis. That's right. So, um, you know, um, then we, we, we were never atheists. We knew that God created everything. We knew that he created us. You know, we knew that one day there would be a judgment day. We knew that we would have to answer for our good mm-hmm. and our bad, you know. Yep, yep. And we, we, that was just a normal understanding. But, you know, even as a child, I used to look up the stars and think about the grandeur and the wonder of God, you know. And uh, my best mate across the road... Um, we used to play kick to kick to each other, and we were great mates. He was a Sunday school boy, and I used to tease him about that. About going to church? About going to church. Uh, and, you know, we're just 11, 12-year-old kids, you know, and we're lying our back after our cricket match on a summer's night and look at the stars and talk about God and how far the stars go and is God behind the galaxy mm. and all kinds So of you things. remember these conversations? Oh, completely. I remember singing, you know, all things bright and beautiful, creatures great and small. All things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all, you know. How did you hear this song? Well, these were in, we used to sing these in, in primary school. Oh, okay. In Melbourne. So, you know, these were all seeds that were going into, yeah. into my yeah. heart, you know. Anyway, um, once I got into my teenage years, I rebelled, got into the surf scene, you know, which is, in those days, you know, it wasn't a very good thing. Uh, these days, it's a healthy lifestyle. But in those days, it was kind of like attached to, you know, you're a surf bum if you surfed. Mm. You're good for nothing. You know, <laughs> and you were, just, were, were drugs involved? Or? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the whole the whole thing. So, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and and it was a it was a fairly meaningless pursuit. But it, it was it was a rebellious thing, you know. But then uh, there was a there was an instance where I I nearly died, and I called out to God. I said, "Is this it? Is this all there is?" And and miraculously, I was rescued out of that situation. And I, I, I just know that was the Lord's hand, even then. So this is before. This is way Lord, before. But you do remember calling, calling out, to, out to God. So that shook me up, rattled me a lot. And I, I began to recede from that scene. 
I moved back in with mum and mum said, look, why don't you come to Cyprus with me? Your sister's getting married over there. I thought, oh, yeah, be cool. So I sold my surf wagon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a little Hillman Hunter station wagon. I had a sticker on the back that said, Hillman Hunter, your passport to adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I sold that. It was just enough to buy a one-way ticket to London and Cyprus. Mm-hmm. So it was to Cyprus via London. And uh, went to Cyprus. And while I was there, I had a miraculous vision of Jesus. I didn't know it was Jesus at the time. But it was, it was a vision of a man in white. Well, tell us about this. How did all of a sudden this vision come to you? Well, Eric, it's an an amazing thing. Uh, Many, many Muslims are beginning to have visions like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been hearing about this. I was just at a a picnic, and um, I couldn't speak Turkish. Mum brought us up not speaking Turkish. Mm -hmm. So even though I went to Cyprus on a bit of a pilgrimage to try and find out, you know, who I was, Mm -hmm. I still felt alienated, even in my homeland. Which is strange. Because it wasn't really your home. No, it was your parents' home. Exactly. So I went for a walk. I left the family and I went for a walk up in the hill. And uh, I saw a nice tree and I, I laid down and uh, I had a siesta. And uh, while I was asleep, I had a vision or dream and I saw this very wide river. But the river wasn't made of water. It was made of people. Oh, wow. You know what dreams are like, right? Yeah, yeah, It's just yeah. weird, right? It's realistic. So I, and the people were walking. They were the flow of the water. And I looked downstream and there was a big waterfall like Niagara. So I realized very quickly that these were the people of the world and they were heading to their doom. Hmm. And I looked upstream and just kept coming, coming, coming. I looked across the river and I saw a great big rock peninsula rocky peninsula and there was a a man in white robes standing on the rock and out of the rock another river flowed and it flowed into the big river but it wasn't made of water either it was made of light Hmm. and as the little river hit the big river uh, there was a glow at the mouth and the people that went through the glow got drawn up into the light and placed up onto the rock. Oh, away from the river that away was going the, to its doom. To its doom. Yeah. So then I realized that I was actually part of the river. I was in the river as well. The one that's going to the to waterfall. The, to the waterfall. And yeah. I call that the river of life and death. Yeah. Because it was full of life, but we we're all going to our death. Hmm. So I called it the river of life and death, and I called that little river the river of light. I realized that if I didn't get to the river of light, I was gone. So I tried to get over there and I tried to get people's attention and saying, guys, we're going the wrong way. We See that guy in the white up on, on the rock? Mm-hmm. we got to go to him. He's the guy that's going to get us out. So you just knew intuitively. Well, I knew that was the way out. Yeah. But nobody would listen to me. Then I realized that everybody in the river had little horns like goat horns, little baby goat horns. Mm. And in my mind, I un- understood that this was that this was a sign of, of, of evil, of sin. Yeah. And the reason they didn't listen to me was because I had them as well. Hmm. And I wasn't any different to them. Why would they listen to me? And then the dream faded and I looked at the man in white and he zoomed in on me and he pointed at me and I could see his face clearly and he said, I will meet you, I will help you and I will save you. 
And then I wake up. And you had not having no, any type no of Christian background no, no, other no. than hearing a few songs. Yeah. Didn't know I who didn't this know. was. No, I didn't know. Okay, let's so fast, fast forward, forward. Yeah, a few months. Um, I leave Cyprus. I go back to London, and my uncle talked me into going to visit my father, who I hadn't seen for ten years. He'd left me when I was about ten. Left us when I was about ten. Wow, years you old. hadn't seen him your whole teenage year. No. Wow. So I thought I'll go and visit Dad. Anyway, I'll go and see Dad. That that was another story. I won't. Don't want to go there. But he mm. had a new family, new wife, and. It was a struggle. But obviously there's a lot of emotions. <laughs> there's a lot of emotions. your father. And, you know, and, and I realized dad was making a good go of it with a new family. Hmm. He's doing well. And I thought, you've got no right to do well, dude. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I'm, I'm your son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so there was a lot of feelings about fatherhood and mm-hmm. missing out on father and all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, dad owned a dry cleaners in London. Next door to the dry cleaners store, there was a hardware store. Young Jamaican, it wasn't Jamaican, it was St. Lucian. Thank you for putting that in there for the benefit of my wife. <laughs> West, from young, young West Indian lad, about my age, mm-hmm. and he was the shop attendant of the hardware store. Next to the hardware store, there was a secondhand bookstore. We struck a friendship. So, isn't it amazing that your wife is from St. Lucia? <laughs> yes, it is. This man, James, precious, funny, wonderful young bloke, befriended me. His dad was a local preacher in London, mm-hmm. and um, he befriended me. And of course, I, because of my love for reggae music, I, 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 I just adored this young bloke. You know, <laughs> in, in, in the right way. You know, I just thought he was awesome. I thought, wow, dude, yeah, I got my own Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that was good. That was good. Anyway, James and I hit it off. One day he came to me, next door was a bookshop, he, he got a children's Bible, and he gave it to me, he said, read it. And I thought, what's this, a Sunday school thing again, dude? I, uh, I dealt with this with Wayne when we were looking, you know, he used to go to Sunday school, should we go to skip off to Sunday school, mate? <laughs> he said, You just wanted to get back to the reggae music. Exactly, he just said, just read it. So I, I went upstairs, because I was living upstairs, and flicked the Bible open, Children's Illustrated Bob, good illustrations. Mm. And uh, there was a picture of the man in white from my vision. Wow. It wasn't a face like the face. It was the face. The face. Isn't that great how God works? I know. And I realized that the man in white in my dream was Jesus. You're listening to The Story. Today, Gareel Ali is sharing the amazing way he became a Christian after seeing a vision of Jesus dressed in a white robe. We'll hear more of his story and some of his music when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, former Muslim Gareel Ali is sharing his incredible story. Before the break, we heard how he was in Cyprus. He had a vision of a man dressed in white. Then later, while he was in London, he was given an illustrated children's Bible. He opened it up 
to see a picture of Jesus, who he instantly recognised as the man in white from his vision. Now we're going to find out what happened next in his life. So a light bulb moment. It was a revelation moment. Yeah. Then opposite the page of his picture was the Lord's Prayer. And it said, Our Father, who art in heaven. And when I, I stopped on those words, Our Father, I thought, how can you call God Father? Now I'd heard the Lord's Prayer in my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I even remember Sister, was it Janet Mead or someone saying, you know, Our Father, who art in heaven. Hello, I remember that, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time I'd ever thought about God actually being your father. I thought, how can And of God- course, based on what you've been sharing with us, you kind of had a, a father void. Exactly. And I thought, how cool would it be for God to be my father? Hmm. That would be something. Yeah. I thought, oh, that'd be, that, that, I mean, for me, it was like someone who would, it'd be impossible to leave you. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, I knew God was everywhere. I just knew. Yeah, so you'd have a father that everywhere. Would, everywhere. Um, but I thought, but I couldn't connect the dot. There was a big void between where I was having a dream and connecting with God the Father. Obviously, we know now, mm-hmm. post-dream, yeah. Yeah. that the cross bridges that void, that gap, doesn't it? Yep, yep. And so there you are. So th- th- that's where I was. Anyway, the next day, I'm on a London bus. I'm thinking about how can God be your father? The young Ethiopian, he he told me this later. He's a Christian evangelist, right, my age, mm-hmm. sits next to me. I'm looking out the window thinking about God being my father. And he pulled a book out of his bag. He'd just been on the Doulos, the missionary boat. Oh, yeah, yeah. The floating Christian bookshop. Yep. And he got a book called I Dare to Call Him Father, which is about – it's a classic Christian book about a bilky sheik who had a vision of – a man in white who gets saved. Mm-hmm. And the book's called I Dare to Call Him Father. On the front cover, there's a picture of, an illustrated picture of Bilky with a veil on it. Reminded me of my mum. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the title, I Dare to Call Him Father, Journey of a Muslim Woman. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 I'm thinking about God the Father. And I, I was compelled. I just, I, I was in the moment. I just said, Excuse me, mate. Please, can I have a look at your book? What he, what I didn't realise, he told me later, was that he was praying to sit next to somebody he could witness to. Oh, is that right? Yes. He said, he prayed, he said, Lord, sit me next to someone who you've been witnessing, speaking to. And of course, he said, yeah, of course you can read the book. You can have the book. It's kind of what I was hoping for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and um, a few days later, he led me to the Lord and introduced me to Jesus. And, and I found God as my father. Amen. That's fantastic. Mm. What a wonderful way of him kind of gently sending you signals yeah. beforehand. Yeah. And then showing how he fills He revealed that. himself. Yeah. He revealed yeah. himself to me. And uh, I th- and this is what God is doing with, with Muslims. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know why. That's a curious question, isn't it? But I think one of the reasons is because, you know, Muslims are not encouraged to read the Bible. That's where they're going to find salvation. In fact, they're forbidden in many countries. So God has to do something dynamic and step out of, almost out of reality, mm-hmm. their reality, and come at a different angle. And getting back to God being your father, yeah. as a Muslim, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but you don't think of God or no, Allah it, as father, is that right? Not at all. 
This is why it was such a confusion to me. How can God be your father? And this is what you know. This is what Jesus was talking about all the time. You know, unless you were born again, you got to be you got to be born again. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll have a new father. You know, and, and that's that's born the second time. And Nicodemus, one of the leaders, what's he say? He says, "How can a man be born again?" I was like that. How can a man? How can a man call God Father? <laughs> how can that happen? Yeah, you know. So, what impact did this have on your life? Well, obviously, it turned my life around. Um, I became a Christian and headed back to Australia. Found a great church, and it wasn't long till I entered Christian ministry and went through Bible college. And oh, really? I've been ministering for thirty years. Singing, preaching. Yes, we want to talk about your music as yeah, well. How yeah. old were you when you put I was your in, faith in Jesus? I was, uh, in, uh, look, I'm not one of those Christians who know what date and time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was, but I don't know. Roughly, have. an estimate. Here. Uh, early young, 20s? Oh, early 20s. Okay, early 20s. I early think. 20s. Okay. But many, many miracles happened after that, and I don't want to get into that. But but, but, but the Lord is a God of miracles. He's a personal God, and he knows, he knows how to win you. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jesus met. Was it was it Nathan? Under he said, oh, "I was with you under the tree" or something like that. Remember? Anyway, it doesn't matter. He he knows our journey. He knows yeah, our steps. Yeah. You know. Well, he knows each and every one of us individually. Yeah. He knows every hair Absolutely. on our heads. He's the good shepherd, and he knows the sheep, and he he's calling them. He's drawing yep. them. But such a unique way that he drew you to him. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. You know, I'm I, I even I'm I'm amazed even talking to you about it. You know that he would. Be so intimate, and not not yeah. invasive, but he invaded my world. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. So he knew that you lacked a father. Yeah, that there was a father void in your life, and yeah. so that's what he chose to emphasize. Yeah, in drawing you to him. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never looked at it like that. And he, I, I guess he also knew that I knew he was there. And what happens? Do you think? I'm asking you a question now, Eric. What happens when I called out to him when I nearly died in Australia as a rebel teenager? I know he heard that. Yeah, did, of course. Did he come because I, I called out or we'll find out. does he do the reaching before we call? Oh, I think it's a little bit of both, don't I you? I think so. I yeah. think it's a bit of both. Yeah. He wants all of us he wants to us call all. out to him. He does. And Acts tells us that all who call yeah. upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Isn't that Amen. right? You know. Amen. Well, unfortunately, you were running out of time, but before we end today's conversation, we want to know about your music. Tell us about that. Wonderful. Well, um, I've always been musical, I'm, but I'm one of those musicians that didn't know that they were a muso, you know. I, I didn't pick up a guitar until I was probably 18. Oh, okay. And I just started strumming a few chords. I could always sing along to, you know, the, the pop charts and things, but it wasn't until uh, I was 18, 19, I realized I was a muso. I could sing and I could actually play and um, one of my favourites was Bob Marley. Yep, yep. So uh, a lot of my music is reggae-based. Mm-hmm, yep. Gospel feel. Yep. Kind of Van Morrison cross Bob Marley. Okay, we'll end with one of your songs. Yeah. So uh, Every Little Thing, um, I really, it's an older song now, but uh, love this song. It, it talks about, you know, God knowing our needs, and mm-hmm. he knows our needs before we even ask. And uh, it's called Every Little Thing's Going to Be Alright. This one won an award, uh, Australian Gospel Music Award, for Best Gospel Song. So, very happy with that one. Every Little Thing. Thanks for coming in. Every little thing Gonna be alright Gonna be alright Alright Sing every little thing
the song Every Little Thing by our guest today, former Muslim Gareel Ali. And what an amazing story he has about God working in his life, drawing him to himself in a very unique way. If you'd like to have Gareel come to your church or organisation to sing and share his incredible story, you can contact him through his website, gareelali.com. That's G-U-R-Y-E-L-A-L-I.com. Gareelali.com. Com. You can go there and learn about his music and also about his book, which he tells his life story. It's called Know Yourself Loved. That's all on his website. Well, thanks for joining us for Gareel's remarkable story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. One day back at the sawmill, I'm, I'm listening to Focus on the Family. I start up the machinery and uh, I notice this big blue button I hadn't really looked at before. I thought, oh, yeah, that stands out. What's that? Oh, it's a reset button. A bloke came over the radio. As he said, I, I believe God wants to hit the reset button on marriages. And I'm just like, wow, that, that's confirmation. Michael Trevanian has quite the story of redemption, reunification and hope. After becoming a Christian, he and his wife remarried two years after they were separated. We'll find out how they were able to find forgiveness and a new life in Christ next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.